Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Wow! Breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough in the animal rights movement. We are going global. We are having huge, huge impact around the world. This weekend was National Animal Rights Day and the Animal Liberation Conference. I would say it was probably the biggest weekend for animal rights in history, quite possibly. Animal Liberation Conference, organized by Direct Action Everywhere in San Francisco, Berkeley area, drew thousands and thousands of people. And National Animal Rights Day, which occurred all over the world, drew thousands and thousands of people. And right now, we have a group of extraordinary women who are Jane Unchained contributors who were at some of the Animal Rights Days. First of all, let me say to Uh, The women here, and by extension, all of our contributors, this is a team effort. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being there, for being present, for bearing witness to these animals, and for documenting it and sharing it so that everybody else can see it. Um, I was taking a course, and people were saying to me, oh, I'm watching some of the things that are happening on your Facebook feed. We are getting the word out through Jane Unchained. Please know that all your work is super important. I always say it's like bringing 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 people with you wherever you go. We live in a global village. There's just too many people to just talk to them individually one-on-one. So I want to get, uh, we have the amazing Erin Riley Carrasco with us. We have Kim Guerin. Uh, also extraordinary, Lindsay Baker and Lisa Carlin. I'd like to get all of your reactions. First of all, tell us what National Animal Rights Day is. Little Rico here wants to know. And um, tell us what it is and what your reactions to it were. So why don't we start from the top? Lindsay, you want to take it first? Yes. I started going to NORD about four years ago, and it actually was the thing that turned me vegan completely. So for me, the reaction the first time was uh, just this incredible sadness, this incredible feeling of uh, helplessness. I felt completely helpless because I saw the scope of what was going on. But there was also the other side of it. It's kind of a roller coaster because you feel empowered by all the people. And each year it's grown. So by this year, it was completely different. We did a march and we had live animals again. We had live animals uh, three years ago. So it was incredible. And um, I was filming and I feel part of it. I missed out a little bit. I'll talk about that later. I'll let some other people talk about their reaction, but I felt I missed out a little because uh, I had to stay in the logical zone as opposed to letting myself really feel it. So anyway. All right. Well, thank you for, for taking that sacrifice. Yeah. So Erin Riley Carrasco, you were there uh, in a different one. Remember these, let's describe what National Animal Rights Day is for people who don't know. Paint a picture of it, Erin. So National Animal Day Rights, I believe it's the first Sunday um, of every June, every year. And I believe this year it was celebrated, if you will. 
commemorized in 300 cities around the world. Um, and it's a coming together of like-minded people, animal activists, who are being a voice for animals against animal exploitation, letting the world know that basically we've been in a slumber, asleep, and I get these, this verbiage from a speech that was said yesterday, in a slumber for so long, unknowingly, so many of our friends and families just go along with the status quo, eating animals on their plates. And it's time to wake up. These are days where we remind the world we are the voices of animals. Animal agriculture is one of the leading causes of global warming, species extinction, biodiversity loss. It causes 14 of the 15 health diseases in humans. I came in to veganism through the ethical route, which is animals. But when we can live a healthy life without harming animals, why wouldn't we? And our loud, our loud voices, I believe, were heard all over the world yesterday. Yes. And so, Lisa Carlin, thank you. Thank you for painting a picture of, describe it, people holding what, doing what. You were there recording, Lisa. Yes. Hi, everybody. I was there. This is my fifth NARD event. And this was the best NARD event because we had the deceased animals. Last year, we did not have the deceased animals. In previous years, we did. And I must say, I didn't really understand when I first got involved with the movement why there was why there were deceased animals. And, and now- tell me about deceased animals. There are people holding Paint a picture. You're, you're telling a 10-year-old kid, hey, I went to this event. What does it look like? Where are the animals? Who's holding them? What's happening? Okay, so what we see, um, what we see is um, people of all ages that are, that have, most of the people that were holding animals had previously uh, participated in NARD. However, there were new people. We were all wearing t-shirts. Let me show you my t-shirt. Okay, there you go. Our planet... There's two. Right. Our planet, there's two. And that is the the logo for NARD, the National Animal Rights uh, Association. There were 35 cities around the world that had NARD events going on yesterday. That is just incredible. And there were sponsors, of which Jane was one of the sponsors. And we had so many incredible sponsors to help put this event on. What people saw were people dressed with uh, protective clothing on or protective gloves, and they were holding small animals. They were literally holding them in their hands, and you could see that they were they were deceased. They were they were had been frozen, so they were very cold. What kind of animals? We saw pigs. The larger animals were carried on little stretchers by four people. So we saw, for example, um, Thea Pereira and Lori Allen and Sheena Gao were carrying um, the stretchers with the larger animals who probably weighed 75 to 100 pounds. You saw a dead pig curled up, just looking peaceful, but dead. And I think for some people, they had never even seen a pig up close. Well, there's your hot dog. There's your pepperoni pizza. You know, pigs are used for all of those things. We saw, um, we saw chickens. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix was carrying a beautiful red chicken. I think it was, it might have been a rooster because it had a large um, 
plume on the top. We saw smaller animals. We saw squirrels. We saw cats. I saw dogs. I saw, um, there were a bunch of pigs. I saw sheep. I saw fetal animals. It looked like there was a fetal calf. And they, when I asked about it, they told me that fetal calf was born, stillborn. So right. none of these animals were taken from the slaughterhouses. These were animals that had died and were going to be, um, I guess, cremated. So that's, that's what they are from the factory farming industry to a large yeah. degree. Now, yes. this was global. We also have Adida from New York who is on, and she has been very involved in the global movement in New York. So, Adida, thank you for joining us. Explain what you saw, what you heard. Hi there, Jane. You can hear me? Yes. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, the New York City event um, was amazing. We had, I think, over 100 people holding deceased animals. We had a coyote, which I think was actually the first coyote ever at a NARC. And that was very significant because in New York City, we're working on the fur ban and coyote trim is um, on many coasts. And also there are wild dogs and dog and cat fur is sold. So that was very impactful. We had many different animals and just it's held in Union Square Park in New York City, which is a very, very busy um, park. There's a farmer's market there. So we had so many people coming by and stopping and just totally stunned. I saw people crying um, really having a visceral reaction. People who have probably never seen anything like this or even considered the idea of these animals that are eaten or exploited for their skin. So it was very impactful. And our first speaker in New York City was an elected official, which is pretty rare for NARD. It was Assembly Member Linda Rosenthal, who um, is a champion for animals. Um, she has a bill pending that would ban the retail sale of of cats and dogs and rabbits in New York, a cat decline bill. She also has a statewide urban bill. So to have her there, um, a renowned elected official, was very special at NARD also. And, and I want to thank you, Adita, for all you do for animals, being a Jane Unchained contributor, also New York class, you're stopping the carriage horses. You, you and your team got them moved from the, the, the busy streets of New York to Central Park not perfect, but certainly a huge uh, leap, gallop in the right direction for those poor abused creatures. And I know because I grew up in midtown Manhattan and I heard the clops every morning and it, it would always kick me in the stomach. Let's go to Kim Guerin. Kim, um, thank you for joining us. Uh, tell us what your experience was being at National Animal Rights Day internally like we've kind of described it we've saying it's people here's my little rico who's our mascot and thank god he's alive and well and uh but it would be um a hundred or more people carrying animals who are dead holding them cradling them having a funeral for them then it's followed by a celebration and there's speeches mixed in uh, but what was happening to you internally as you watched it kim so that was my first mar march with NARD, and um, I was really apprehensive. Um, I was going to go 100%, but I, I was worried about just seeing the animals in person and seeing them in front of me dead. And um, it was so incredibly powerful. It was so emotional. It was so, as you can imagine, extremely heavy. Um, but I was 
so proud to walk along the side of hundreds of activists um, to march for the rights of animals. But I will tell you, when, when the first gurney came out with a pig on it, it just, it hit me to the core. I mean, it made me really emotional. I started tearing up immediately. It's, <clears throat> it's so powerful. And I understand why they do it because it, it make, it's real. It's, it's not just seeing the photographs. It's seeing the, the victims that, that, that have you know, suffered at the hands of humans. So it was just incredibly emotional. Um, it was a beautiful day, a heavy day. Um, but I was, I was so happy to be there to walk in the march and take a lot of photographs to put on social media to, to be able to educate people. And then at the end of it, um, there was a memorial for the animals. So the, the people that were carrying the, the victims put them down on the ground and gently covered them with cloth. And then there was a beautiful part of the ceremony where children came up and put flowers on their bodies. And it was, just, it was just extremely powerful, extremely moving. And um, I wish every single person could experience a march like that. And I want to say, just uh, getting some texts and emails here, um, a shout out to Love Always Sanctuary in Los Angeles. Uh, Nikki Mingarelli and Amy Jean Davis uh, run that sanctuary. There was a chicken named Snafu who was um, sadly deceased who was part of the ceremony as well as a rabbit named Bravo. And she had also found a dog dead in the street on her way home one night from an apparent car accident. And that dear dog was in the ceremony as well. It's so important because um, Aaron, people don't make the connection between the slab of meat on their plate and a being who had eyes, who had a heart, who felt pain, who had a mother, who felt fear, who wants, who wanted friends, who had relationships, just like this little guy and all the beautiful animals that people have and they can relate to and they buy them toys and they get them uh, outfits and they have all sorts of experiences surrounding their dog. And yet that's where the, the, that's where their compassion ends, right there at themselves and their dog. You ask them to extend that circle of compassion, extend their heart out to these cows and pigs and chickens who are the vast majority of animals on the planet today. You know, it's, it's, it's this wall and I don't blame them. It's society telling you, don't think about that. Don't think about the fact that these, these slabs of meat were, be were beings, were individuals, unique who had, were entitled to their own lives. We are trained from birth not to think about that. So this ceremony breaks through that brainwashing. And that's what it is. It's brainwashing so that somebody can make more money. That's all this is about. At the end of the day, it has nothing to do with tradition or health because we know that processed meat which is how most people eat most meat is cancer causing. We know that heart disease is a leading killer. It's caused by the overconsumption of meat, which is, has cholesterol, which plants do not. It's simply so somebody living in a giant penthouse in Manhattan, who's already a billionaire can make even more money than he already has. I say he, cause it's largely he Aaron weigh in on that. So I'm, 
I want to say that, you know, really quickly, I was in charge of filming the actual March yesterday and um, it was 45 minutes. And I wanted to let you know a little bit about, you know, there were celebrities there, Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara and Sean Monson, the director of Earthlings was in there. And I was trying to capture for the world, these images of these deceased animals, because like all the contributors said, a lot of people had never seen deceased animals before. And I will tell you that the activists carrying these animals were struggling, not only emotionally, but physically, because in the front two lines or in the front line with the heavy animals on the stretchers, I could see their arms shaking. And I get chills in saying that because these activists are so strong. They are such a strong voice. I knew they wanted to give up because some were older. You know, I'm 55. They were, they bore these animals for 45 minutes. My back hurts a little bit today just filming it. But the amount of emotion that was palpable yesterday was absolutely incredible. Going back to what you said, cognitive dissonance in our society is real. I have gotten into, I like to have respectful conversations, but I've had friends of mine that have said, you know, my gosh, Erin, I'm such an animal lover. I, I love what you do, but they still eat animals. And I respectfully look at them and say, but how can you be an animal lover if you're still eating animals? And they're just shocked, right, that I would say that. How can one be an animal lover and sit down three times a day and eat animal flesh? I think it's a very good point. And we, we have to figure out how to break through the cognitive dissonance. Let me see here. And let me talk for a second so that I can try to play this. May not work very well, but uh, we had, we had uh, some great coverage. And there's Jory Rand. Okay, Jory Rand. I'll see if I can. Hundreds of animal activists turning out in the Fairfax District today for the ninth Annual National Animal Rights Day. The event began with a funeral procession down Beverly Boulevard. Activists, including actors Joaquin Phoenix and Rudy Mara, holding dead animals to honor the billions of animals killed each year for food, clothing, and animal testing. I was honored to serve as MC of this year's event, which also saw demonstrations in more than a dozen countries around the world, including India, China, and Australia. Wow. First of all, let's give it up for Jory Rand, Channel 7, right? Hello. <laughs> He um, has been very courageous. You know, I was in the media for many years, so I know it takes, you have to stick your neck out a little bit to, um, he was there, he, he's, he's really, he's a vegan. And I've met him, we did a lunch break live with him. He's a charming, wonderful guy. And so what he's doing is using his, you know, I, I applaud Channel 7 for covering it also. You know, but it's, a newsroom isn't like there's a God just. A newsroom is filled with people who decide what is news today. That's why it's so important for a newsroom to be diverse, uh, ethnically, racially, gender-wise, and include people who care about animals. Because it's just that group in the newsroom that decides what's news. Are we going to cover this or are we not going to cover this? So thanks to Jory, I, I would say, probably in large part, he's the weekend anchor, they covered National Animal Rights Day. So that's how it happens. So if anybody who's an animal lover wants to go to journalism school, um, get those stories out there. Because let me tell you, as a journalist, I myself did that um, in mainstream media for many years. Um, 
And uh, I also would refuse to read stories that were what considered a kicker story at the end of a newscast that I felt was abusing animals. Like I won't do a, I wouldn't do a rodeo. Hey, there was a rodeo in town, you know, ha ha ha. And I would just say, no, this isn't funny. And uh, there were some conflicts. I tried to do it respectfully, but this is how culture changes. You know, culture doesn't change like magically. It's a process and it's being in the moment every single time. So, um, you know, let me, let me say this. Um, oh yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna post it. Uh, but, but in any case, uh, we'll post it on uh, voice America radio, but let me say this, this is a celebrity culture that we live in and celebrities were one of the reasons why this got global coverage. And maybe you could address that Lindsay of why is it that Joaquin Phoenix, who's an amazing activist, I applaud him, and Rooney Mara, who apparently, according to published reports, I don't know, is his girlfriend. You know, I, I'm not following that. But she's also an activist, and she's also an actress, great actress. So they were there, and that's one of the reasons why it got global coverage. Yeah, it was really interesting because I was reading the article from Daily Mail, and it talked about mostly what they were wearing and the size of the ring on her finger and, and the rumors about their relationship. I think that's a way to divert the issue. But again, for us, we've got to take what we can get. And it, it is getting, the word is getting out there across multimedia. Again, like you were saying, social media is so important. I was filming the, uh, during the preliminary part of it because I thought it was really interesting to show people um, what it was about. And I got to interview a couple of people that are just going vegan. And I was able to give them, you know, how do I go vegan, that website, and other kind of advice. But it's just getting, like you said before, getting the word out every single day in every kind of way. And if it takes celebrities to do it, then God bless them for being on our team. And let's get more because it really does seem to work. And I'm for yeah. anything that works. So let me say this, okay? Um, and I'm trying to get myself on the speaker view. I don't know if you could see it, but there's the Daily Mail. And you could see that there is the picture of the ring. Can you oh see it? Can you see it? Yes. Look at that. Yes. That's there it is. So the Daily Mail said Rooney Mara and Joaquin Phoenix march with dead animals during grisly protest for National Animal Rights Day as engagement rumors persist. Oh, my gosh. Um, Lisa Carlin, you want to weigh in on that one? Well, I think they just have to find a way to spin it that would be um, uh, useful or, or interesting to the public. But I think that for, for, the, for the intelligent people, they're going to look at this and say, well, why are they putting themselves out there carrying a dead animal in West Hollywood, parading, not marching, but parading down the street? And, and I think when you think about it, just even one layer beneath that, it's because they love animals and they want to make, they want to make a statement. And I, my, I, I, I congratulate Kudos to both Rooney Mara and Joaquin Phoenix because he's a very shy guy. He's not the kind of guy who wants to talk on camera. He wants to do things in the background, and he does. He comes to the Los Angeles Animal Save on a regular basis in front of a slaughterhouse in downtown Los Angeles. I see him at other events as well, so kudos to them. Um, and they were just... They, they were not looking for attention. They just sat there. If you didn't know it was Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara, you would have thought it was just a member of the public, um, except many of us were taking pictures of them. Well, let me say this. I think our culture is changing. I feel like I've been going to these events for many years. Back when I lived in New York, 
in 2014, I believe, or 13, I went to the one of the early National Animal Rights Days. I don't want to mix up the dates, but I was there in New York, and they did the ceremony. It was beautiful. Zero coverage. Okay. Uh, that's one of the reasons that I started Jane Unchained was like I saw all these people going to all these tremendous lengths to spread a word, really putting themselves on the line and making such sacrifices. And I was like, wait a second, you know, where the meat, the mainstream media isn't showing up. And I was in the media for 40 years. So I said, hey, I'm going to start putting it on my phone and then. Sure enough, Facebook Live came along and voila, now instead of staying up till five in the morning editing one story a week, we're doing 15, 20, 30, uh, 40, 50 stories thanks to all you contributors um, and uh, creating a news feed, which is a standard thing in journalism so that uh, people, more people can see this. But the point is that things have changed. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix has been to prior prior. Uh, uh, National Animal Rights Days, and there has been no news coverage. Now, look at what's happening with the Beyond Meat initial public offering with skyrocketing, the most successful stock initial public offering since the financial crisis. Now, everybody's talking about Impossible Foods Burger, the Impossible Burger coming down the pike net. next. CNBC and other major mainstream business uh Entities are covering uh, this movement. And because that's happening, suddenly now we're seeing uh, sort of a parallel interest in not just the food side, but the, the side where people actually come to terms with, in other words, Beyond Meat, Impossible Foods is the positive, the business, let's make money. But this is the other side of it. And I believe there's a balance there. And, uh, you know, Kim, uh, maybe you could address that. Do you feel that it's sort of like parallel, like the coverage is increasing because we're getting credibility on one side in the arena that everybody cares about, which is, you know, the financial arena. It's giving us cred. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, we're definitely moving in a direction with all the the, the new companies that are coming out with vegan options and vegan meat and and, um, you know, I read just the other day that they're lowering their prices, right, for the, the vegan sausages to make it more um, accessible to everybody, right? And um, I just think that the more that we can educate, educate people with veganism and, um, you know, show the health aspects of it, you know, the, the, the cruelty side of it, I think more people are going to get on board with going vegan. Erin? Yes. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Well, <clears throat> I want to go back for a second about the news clip that you just showed us. It's interesting to me how the news blurred out all of the deceased animals. Why do we think that is? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's too painful for them to look at the images of deceased animals, but it's not too painful for people on a daily basis to consume animals. That's the kind of disconnection that I'm talking about. And it's, yeah, money is becoming to be um, a major factor in this. Um, I have a friend who is an agricultural business and he's been sending me articles. Um, it, it all comes down to, again, money and we are limited in what we can say here, right? Because we don't want to uh, roughen the waters with the ag industry and the dairy industry. But 
a lot of my friends are starting to put their money in stock in Impossible Burger. Interesting. Again, money. Beyond Meat Burger. Impossible Beyond Meat. Yeah. It's all about the dollar. Yes, they care about animals, but the ones that are still consuming meat are now investing in those companies. But they haven't stopped eating animals yet, which is interesting. Well, you know, it's a process, not an event. We've got a caller, another great contributor, Paige, from Agoura Hills. Paige, uh, what's your question or thought? Oh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. I just wanted to, first of all, thank you all for participating and for being a part of this. I was um, honored to carry one of the blessed animals, and I wanted to um, let people know, because people were asking me this morning, that these animals came from sanctuaries. They came from rescued from live um, slaughterhouse rescues. They came from... Um, people's uh, own personal pets that have passed away recently. And they all had names, Thelma, Louise, Koji, Sweet Pea, Tiger, Wayne, <laughs> Anna, Precious, Simba, the baby goat. There were birds, there were possums, there were ducklings, there were pigs, there were chickens. And so <clears throat> to me, giving names to the animals makes it much more personal. And I know people don't think, some people can't quite get that. They can get it when it's a dog or a cat or maybe a bird. So I feel like what was powerful about being on Channel 7 and Channel 2 News, ABC and NBC, is it wakes, it, it really was a very straight-up um, uh, uh, news report. They weren't sugarcoating. Those two were not sugarcoated. It wasn't a focus on the diamond ring or, um, or even, oh, look how nice they like animals. I mean, it was straight up. So that, to me, is movement in our movement. Um, and the other thing I want to say is Roger Wilson, the Los Angeles Commissioner of Animal Services, he basically, his incredible speech, which um, happens at, uh, I believe it's six minutes in, on Lisa Carlin's coverage yesterday, um, Basically, he challenges the dream that many of us have been in. And many of us, all, each one of us have all not been vegan our entire lives. We're vegetarian. Many of you have been vegetarian a very long time and vegan just as long. Anywho, what I'm saying is that what was so powerful is he basically encourages a rise up, enough lift, a wake up to the um, unconsciousness, like, like many of you have been talking about, and that it's basically a nightmare that we're living in and it's time for the for the wake up for the planet that the, that we it is the end okay the planet we are at the end we are at the end of an honest the end there's an honest possibility of the end of the planet that's what he said you an know what let me, let me jump in i think you're making incredible points but but there is a there's truth here the planet will survive the question is will we survive on it well done, Paige, and thank you for all your incredible activism. We're a team, and uh, you know, I want to say I wasn't there yesterday because I'm taking a class that will hopefully make me a more effective communicator for animals, and one of the things that I've learned, it's all about teamwork. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with our team, and all of you are part of that incredible team, and it, it brings tears to my eyes to know that together we are changing the world. So let me go quickly to our caller, Lily in San Diego. Lily, your question or thought? Hi, thank you. I'm, I'm really enjoying listening to the activists. And my question is, how do they go beyond the initial heartbreak of seeing the deceased animals and really fighting an uphill battle of 
all the meat consumption and animal exploitation. How do they get past that, that almost insurmountable emotional fatigue to stay motivated to keep doing the work? Great question. I always quote Ingrid Newkirk, the founder of PETA. She says, being sad does not help animals. Take your energy and put it into action. But would you like to address that, Lisa? Yes, I would. And I was what I wanted to say is, um, waiting for my turn, is that this has been a giant step for the animal rights movement on a global level. But I think this is, this is just, this is where our work really begins. We all have to think about what we can do, how we can inspire others. It's our actions that are the most powerful. Uh, and that's what we need to do. We need to, to let people know what we're doing and not be vegan in silence. So many people say, yes, you know, I just don't want to bother my family. And, you know, those of us that are animal rights activists have probably dealt with families that are not very embracive of this. But I think we need to just plot on and we need to take action because our words are cheap, but the things that we do matter most. So I challenge all of the contributors and Jane to step it up. We've done a great job. We need to step it up even more because this is where the real work begins. We've got their ear. Now we need to, we've got the bases loaded. Now we need to hit the home run. So please let's do that. The first thing we can do right now is to share this video, you know, share and spread the word. Yes. Uh, One phrase from one person can make the difference. That's what happened to me 23 years ago, Howard Lyman, the fourth generation cattle rancher who got sick and and revealed the horrible secrets to the world, came up to me and he said, I hear you're a vegetarian. And I was a half-assed vegetarian. And I said, yes. And he said, do you eat dairy? And I hung my head and I said, yes. And he pointed his finger right at my nose. This is a cattle rancher turned vegan. And he said, liquid meat. Two words made me vegan. So you never know. So share this video, everybody watching, just hit share. Uh, And you can also share to groups. You can share to however many people you can, just share it. So um, what, what, you know, Aaron, you do a lot. Uh, You're also uh, Saturday Snack Down. Tell us um, what, what your answer to that woman's question is. So in response to, I believe Lily is her name um, and how we see these tragic images in front of us and how do we handle that as human beings my husband and I just had a conversation with that this morning because I also have um, a dog rescue my own 501c3 dog rescue and he kind of went through the last three weeks he's like because I woke up this morning I'm not gonna lie and I'm my heart is heavy but in saying that for the animals I keep going and I have to compartmentalize because I'm no use to the animals in changing and helping our planet if I am curled up in a ball all day crying. But um, yeah, Saturday Snackdown has been just an amazing experience for me. My family is loving it because I, and it's a wonderful example to people that think that vegans just eat twigs and veggies all day. Every Saturday, I whip up these recipes. I I look them up every week, and they're absolutely delicious. And I have friends. Erin, can you post? Erin, can you send? I can't believe how many of my high school friends have gone vegan or vegetarian 
just from the Saturday Snackdown videos. Yes, that show the diverse food that we as vegans eat. We are not just sitting around munching carrots and broccoli all day. Um, I just, as an animal activist, as a voice for animals, yesterday it hit me to my soul. It was, yeah, my voice trembles because I just see those images. And I was literally crying as I was filming and trying to keep my composure. But again, we have to keep going like Lisa says. It's time to up the ante here. And we can't go from fear, fear of offending friends, fear of offending families. I'm at the point now in my life at 55, I'm trying to bring awareness in a gentle way and trying to educate. And if people don't want to listen, they can unfriend me. I don't want anyone to not be a part of my life, but I'm a truth teller. I'm a truth teller for the animals. Okay, Lindsay, what would you say to that lady? Well, I would say that you uh, get busy. That's the, that's the best remedy. And go do what you do best. Do you. So I do a lot of uh, graphics and video and visual communications. So my way of doing it is taking that footage and, and telling stories with it and putting it out there. Each of us have different skills. Erin was just talking about her fabulous show and showing the recipe. So I think we have to do us and get out there and keep going. And that's what gives us the strengths. And every once in a while, you're going to feel down. But like you said, you can't feel bad for yourself. You have to feel strong for the animals. And we have to do this. And it's so important for the planet for compassion overall, uh, for, you know, every part of our planet and, and all the sentient beings on it. We need this to happen. And, it, you know, so we just have to do what we have to do. Kim? Yeah. Um, so I, I was just going through all my pictures this morning to post on social media. And as I was going through them, I started to hesitate because some of them are really graphic. And I, and I hesitated for a minute. Oh, should I put that picture on or should I not? Is it you know, are people going to look away? But I thought, no, I am, I am the voice for animals. And there is no way to candy coat the horrors that go on in animal agriculture and, med um, you know, the medical testing and all the horrific things that are done for animals. So I need to show it. So I did. And if it offends anybody, like Aaron said, you know, they can unfollow me or unfriend me. But it's so important that we bring the truth to our to to our friends to our family and share it throughout our, throughout our network um i also you know try to educate people through coaching them through plant-based nutrition not just talk about the health aspects of it but the animal aspects of it the environmental aspects of it so i try to hit people in different ways and i also try to post positive things because i do realize that you know everybody can't be hit every day with horrific images even I turn away sometimes because it's too much. Um, so, you know, posting things where you're showing pigs or cows, you know, snuggling and playing and doing things that dogs and cats would do to help people make a connection that they're, they're no different. They're no different. So that's kind of my approach. One of the other things that I'm starting to realize is that uh, I feel that we just need to enroll these people in a wonderful way of life. In other words, it's a gift we're giving to them. If I come from the perspective of you need to go vegan, you need to go plant-based, you need to stop eating meat because I said so, because I need you to do that. It's not going to work. 
But if I come from the perspective of, I have a gift to give you, how would you like to live longer? Not have that siren come to your house because you've had a heart attack or a stroke and are lying on the ground um, and have more energy and uh, feel more vibrant and actually feel happier because it does take a toll when you're when you're co-signing the killing of animals every day, it's one of the main reasons why people are so depressed in our society and they don't make the connection. I make the connection because I covered crime for many years. And when people commit a crime, unless they're sociopath or psychotic, they feel guilt. And that's why people revisit the scene of the crime. And that's not just a cliche. They do it. And uh, why they uh, often, you know, obsess about the crime and, uh, they become depressed and, and it, their whole life goes into a downward spiral. Their prison is internal. It's not just when the police catch them and throw them in prison. It's, it's an internal prison that ensues the second they commit that crime. And the same thing happens with eating animals. It's just that since our society says that crime doesn't count, people don't make the connection. They're depressed. They're, they're down. They feel blue. They don't feel joyous. Why am I here? Uh, it's gray. It's dark. Try changing your diet, just eating fruits, vegetables, nuts, and grains, and all the millions of combinations, and see if you wake up a little happier. Now, people have literally told me you're crazy when I say that to them. Um, but I just have to be learn to explain it in a better way so that it doesn't sound crazy. Okay? We are what we eat. And energetically, if you're eating death and you're eating the fear and the literally the adrenaline that comes out of these animals as they are slaughtered and as they are headed to the slaughter, that's a real thing and it's going to have an impact. So what I'm really working on right now is how to express it in a way that is attractive, not, you know, the angry, the angry judgmentalism. And so that's what I think as a movement we need to um, we need to get to. And I'll use one analogy. You know, people fought for horses um, and the horrific abuse of horses in the 19th century. And then along came the electric car. And yes, horses are still being abused today. They're being driven off public lands by the Bureau of Land Management, which is run by the meat and dairy industry. And there's still horrific things happening at the racetracks, which Lindsay has covered. But in terms of the big leap toward not like using animals as cars, as transportation and abusing millions of them in that way was the electric car. So we have the Beyond Meat Burger. We have the Impossible Food Burger. Those are our electric car of this day. And since, Lindsay, you're so involved in that, maybe you could address that. As far as the horse racing and how to get people... Can you, I'm sorry, I'm not sure why you- Well, what I'm saying is, you know, we, we have to enroll people and invite people into our lifestyle as a gift. It's a right. gift not to go to the track. It's a gift to do something else aside from betting on horses that are going to collapse and die because they're uh, abused. Yeah, well, I, what I would say is um, you appeal to each person in terms of their demographics. So when we're addressing young people, they're all about climate change. So that you, that's your door in to them. If you're yeah. talking to somebody that likes to go to the track, well, there's so much more opportunities now to bet with the Native American, uh, all these 
casinos that have opened with the zoos there's virtual uh, for children there actually there's one i think in japan a virtual zoo which they can actually see the animals in their environment so if somebody is an athlete it's about you know hey look at this buff uh, weightlifter who's vegan you know it just depends on what that person's interest is and then you zoom in on that and that's how you reach them. i think we have a caller roger in los angeles your question or thought roger Hey, Jane. I'm sorry. It's Roger Wolfson. I uh, was wow. just uh, notified that you were doing this, and I, I, I just called in now, so I'm not sure what, it, what the subject is. Well, we're talking about National Animal Rights Day, and first of all, let's give you a round of applause for the, one of the most brilliant speeches I have heard. Um, come on. Let's all let's hear it for Roger. Oh, Roger. was so beautiful and so powerful. Um, it really... Basically, uh, let me see if I can encapsulate it correctly. You talked about the nightmare that is animal agriculture today and the abuse of animals today, and you spoke about it as a dream, but it really was a nightmare. And then waking up to the fact that this isn't just some bad dream, that it's happening now and it's reality. Uh, what inspired you? How did you, how did you uh, come up with that? Well, you know, so interesting. I wanted to thank you, Jane, very much. And I really have to tell you and your audience that one of the reasons why I put so much time and effort into my speeches is because I know that you're going to be there. And I know that you're going to promote it and that the audience is going to be larger than just the people I'm speaking to. And that's really true of the entire vegan movement. I mean, you are so there chronicling what's happening and making sure people are conscious. You know, it, without you, very often we'd be speaking to, into a vacuum. So thank you for what you do because it inspired me. Let me then, jump you know, in. I gave it's, a team. it's a team. It's a team. And, and, you know, we have an incredible team and the team is joining us. Uh, I was actually at a course to learn how to communicate better my message to animals, but it, it was just the power of the team, the power of teamwork. So I accept that co uh, compliment on behalf of everybody who's involved with Jane Unchained, but con continue. Terrific. And so knowing that, so I gave the keynote speech last year as well, and I was, this year I was also invited to give it in Berkeley. And I decided to stay in Los Angeles because I really, this is our community. And I wanted to say something that would last, that would have legs. And I decided to look, just look into Genesis um, in the Bible and, and to the portion where Adam uh, names all the animals. Because I, I've recently read a book called... Um, Homo Deus, uh, which is by Harari. He also wrote Sapiens. And he really made the point that prior to Judeo-Christianity, all religions on the planet were animalistic. Uh, you know, Native American traditions, for example, really treated animals as if they were our equals, just different species, and we had to share the planet with them. And then suddenly Judeo-Christianity came along and said, no, 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 animals kind of belong to us. And so I wanted to look in that further and go to the Bible. So I went to Genesis, and I looked up Genesis 2.2.1, and it says in that paragraph, in the very paragraph where it says, um, Adam named all the animals. The moment after, animal, uh, the moment after um, Adam named all the animals, he fell into a deep sleep. But nowhere in the Bible does it ever say that he woke up. <gasps> And that was so effective, and I, it, just, it just inspired me. I was like, wait, hold on a second. 
the, the life that you and I live, Jane, and your volunteers and very much of your audience, it doesn't feel real. It feels like the fact that people participate in the cruelest system imaginable when it comes to animals doesn't feel real. It's a dream. You know, it's like we're in this dream where no one listens and everybody seems to make excuses for it. And everybody seems to be ignorant to something that is so unbelievably unconscionable. It's a dream. And then I changed the speech a little bit to make sure that we weren't exclusionary. I said, we, the people here, all of us, we were having this dream. We were complicit. We too were, you know, wearing the skins of animals and eating their flesh and buying products and, you know, that had been tested on animals and all that sort of, we, we were, were that at some point in our lives, but at some but for whatever reason, we woke up, you know, and, 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 and what I basically say, too, is, you know, after describing the dream, I then said in the speech, we had this, uh, that nowhere in the Bible does it say that Adam woke up, but we're no longer living in biblical times. And the end of days right now is a very real possibility. You know, human consciousness has got to rise. And for whatever reason, and I took this out of the speech, I originally said, we, we here, we were tussled out of the dream and we wiped our sleep from, sleep from our eyes and we shook our heads. Um, I, I, at that point, said maybe we were woken up because we were, you know, chantries or, or, or shamans on some level. But what, I just changed that. So for whatever reason, we just, we just woke up and saw the dawn. And now we're going to the people in our lives, our parents and our friends and our childhood crushes and our high school classmates, and we're grabbing them by the shoulders gently as you would when someone's asleep, and we're shaking them gently, and we're looking in the eyes, and we're saying, wake up before your sleep turns into a coma, and a coma turns into a death. Um, wow. Anyway, so I, and I, I, went, I went forward from there, and... It really, you know, and it really, it just came out. You know, there are sometimes, as you know, Jane, I'm a television writer as well as being commissioner of animal services for Los Angeles. And I'm also a, um, a speech writer. Some speeches just flow out of you and that's when you know you're connected to something deep. Sometimes you have to struggle with them. This speech literally I wrote in about five minutes. It just came straight out. Everybody in America needs to hear that speech. And uh, I will do everything I can to, to make sure it's seen far and wide. And uh, Roger, thank you for all you do. You know, there are so many people who get an official title with a government institution like Animal Services, and it's a bureaucratic position. You've brought it alive by really getting to the heart of it. If we are going to help animals and we are going to be the defenders of animals, let's defend all animals. And you've done that. You've brought issues into the LA Animal Services Commission meetings that reflect on all animals. For example, when uh, there was, right now, there's an effort to stop sexual abuse of animals because there's sickos out there who do it. And you had the courage to say, wait a second, our society is sick. All the animals who are eaten are sexually violated. The males are masturbated and the females are raped and then none of them are making love on these factory farms. And you had the courage to bring that out. Um, 
And you have the credibility. If somebody else said it, people might, you know, roll their eyes, but you brought it into the conversation. And that was so powerful. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. And, and you were there that night. And, you know, it was, it, it was a really beautiful experience. I mean, we really had a discussion. There wasn't anger. There wasn't fury. There was just real honesty and directness. You know, and we're also working, as you know, uh, the, the Commission on Animal Services in Los Angeles passed a, a, a proposal saying that rodeo should be banned in the city of Los Angeles. And thanks to that, now it's gone to city council and city council is going to have to hold a hearing on it or, or hear some legislation. And we're talking about banning rodeo practices. The next thing we're going to be working on is horse racing. You know, and, yes! and we're just going to keep going on every, every issue we possibly can. I'm also working with the non-human rights project. I'm special counsel for the Non-Human Rights Project, and there we're working on getting elephants uh, in zoos um, and primates that are in captivity to be treated as basically as persons, you know, as legal persons. You know, in the same way that if you can have a corporation can be a person and have its own innate rights, why shouldn't an elephant? And the Non-Human Rights Project, which is led by Stephen Weiss and has on its board of directors, Jane Goodall, uh, really, um, you know, it's doing incredible work. You know, what's beautiful about this, Jane, and I think you get this, and I'm sure your audience does, and certainly your company does, when you're creative, when you approach this from a creative standpoint, it's not just wringing your hands and getting angry and getting hurt and getting upset, it's... It's just, you know, it's, it's finding ways to push the needle here and push the needle there and push the boundaries there and raise consciousness there. There's so many different ways. And when it, when it hits critical mass, we'll be there, you and I and your audience. We'll be there. We'll be standing there. When it hits critical mass and we hit that tipping point and we're, you know, we're, we'll, we'll hold our hands high in the air and hold them together and, you know, we'll know that we contributed to it because of our creativity, because of our passion, and because we decided to be the scribes of this movement. We decided to stand up for what matters. And because we woke up. Roger, I want to say I'm so thrilled that you joined us. We're going to have to give you an entire hour on Horse America Radio real soon. I'll call you about that. Thank you for all you do. We've got uh, just about a minute left. Uh, in uh, Let's just have a word maybe from everybody. Lisa, start with you. Okay, so what I have here is a book by David Wells Wallace, and this is called The Uninhabitable Earth. You can get it on Amazon. He is a New York Times Magazine uh, award-winning author, and this is the book that everyone should read about climate change. All right, thank you. Erin? Um, Jane, you're just saying you're taking a course on how to be a better communicator for animal activism. And, you know, I used to think that it had to be through the ethical route. I wanted everyone to love animals, but the older I've gotten, I don't care if it's through the environmental route. I don't care if it's through the health route. I think all of us need to be great role models and examples of what veganism is. All right. Uh, Lindsay. I would just say that I agree with what those two ladies said, I think they said it all, and Roger, he just blew me away, but we have to always remember why we're doing this. We're doing it for everyone. We're doing it for the planet, for the children. I don't have any children, but I know we have to save this planet, and we have to use every means we have available to us. Kim? 
So I just want to say my, my boyfriend joined me on the march yesterday and he's a guy from Montana, um, you know, came from a meat eating family and he is, he marched with me. He carried one of your signs, Jane. <laughs> but it says animal agriculture is a leading cause of species extinction, ocean dead zones, water pollution and habitat destruction. Nice. And uh, it was just nice to have my guy supporting me. He's, He's pretty much there, almost 100% vegan. So I just would tell everybody to kind of like what Aaron said, you know, influence people, find out what, what would um, touch them, whether it's the nutrition aspect, the animal aspect, or the environment, and, and get them in the direction of moving vegan. We are out of time, people. Thank you all. And there's another Thank beautiful, you, beautiful Sparky. Um, Thank you for what you do. Truly from the bottom of my heart, I am so grateful that I have you in my lives and uh, that the world has you. You are changing the world. Uh, Carry on. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.